All right, so somebody's got to help me out, all right? That ladies. This weekend, my wife hasn't been feeling good, and she's been bugging me about going to one of those restaurants where they prepare the food in front of you. So I'm thinking, hey, this will brighten her day. We went to Subway. And this fight broke out, and I'm thinking, I, I don't understand that. So maybe some of you, you ladies can get with me later and, and help me out. You know, I, I like to do things for my wife. I want to welcome you here. I want to remind you to, uh, if you have prayer needs, there's a Connect card back in one of these seats. Write, the, write it down. We are interested. We pray over them. We want to help you in every way that we can. If you have a question, uh, don't worry. Write that down also. Uh, for you watching online, thank you for being so faithful. If you like what's going on here and you want somebody else to see it, hit the like button and then share. This way the gospel goes all over the place. And this is what we want. If you have a prayer need, hit that connect button and let us know. Uh, we're here for you. And uh, we hope that uh, one day, if you're close, come be a part of this audience. They're a really good-looking crowd I get to look at every week. So thank you for being here. All right, sixth chapter of the book of Mark. There's a lot of good stuff in that. You're going to, you begin to chapter Jesus is in Nazareth in his own hometown. And we find out that. The description that the people there, now this is a man who has been healing the sick and giving sight to the blind. Uh, he, he's been exhibiting the power of God. And so when he comes to his hometown and he speaks in the synagogue, this is what the people are saying. Wait a minute. Isn't that that young carpenter? Isn't he Mary's son? Some have said that gives you an idea that perhaps during this time Joseph was dead because they want to know, is this Mary's son? Then they say, hey, we know his brothers. We know his sisters. The acknowledgement was, is who is this person who's preaching, who's sharing the scripture that he's sharing? Now, I'm not going to preach on that, but I want to bring out a point to you. You're going to meet the same thing. People are going to ask. And in fact, when I talk to people about why don't they share their faith, why don't they pray with people, why don't they just simply out be in the street ministering, the one thing that comes back is that people may reject. And yes, they may. But they rejected Jesus. Let me tell you my little story. When I came to Christ, I... Got up the next morning, which was Sunday, walked down the aisle of the church, talked to the pastor. Uh, I was baptized, surrendered to the ministry. Uh, about a week uh, or so after I came to Christ, my running mate, a man named Paul, he came to Christ and uh, began to be a part of the body of Christ. And about a month later, the church board had a meeting. And they said to Ed, the pastor, Pastor, we don't know what you're doing, but you've got to stop it. And Ed said, what are you talking about? He said, there, there's an element creeping into our church that we're concerned about. 
Perhaps you don't know Paul and Cliff like we do, but they're, we are suspicious of why they're here. You don't know their life. I tell that story for one reason. It's charged me up. And every day of my life, 47 years later, when I get a little down, when I begin to back off a little, I remember that story. And for no other reason, and I'm simply a hard-headed Cajun, I'm going to show them that that fire is still here. I tell you that story because so often we are discouraged by junk. And that's all that is. You need to understand the world is not going to openly welcome you. You are weird. You believe that a man named Jesus Christ died on the cross taking our sins. You believe he was put in a grave. And then you believe the ridiculous. He was raised the third day and is alive. See, that's what we believe. We believe in creation. There was only two genders, male and female. I heard a, a pastor just this morning <laughs> preaching. He said, you can, uh, you can go and, and get cut up. You can go down to the dress shop and dress up. Uh, you can go get drugged up. But all you're going to be is a dressed up, cut up, drugged up, male or female. Wonderful message. So you believe that. So I want you to know, you're going to be rejected. And that's okay. You're in tremendous company. There's a story in here about Jesus walking on the water. A lot of illustrations we could use. Jesus comes to you in your darkest hour. He's there. Peter walked on the uh, water. People say, well, Peter died and he drowned. Yeah, but Peter was the only one out of the boat with Jesus. He got to experience something. That's a good story. There's a lot of good stuff in here. But you see, I have a challenge for you at the end of the message. And I'm going to use the, the story here of Jesus sending out 12 apostles. In Mark 6, verse 7 through 13, we find these words. Calling the 12 to him. Now, he's in a crowd, as usual. There could be four or 5,000 people around. But he called the 12 to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. <clears throat> These were his instructions. Now listen, take nothing for your journey except a staff. I have been traveling for 20 years. And it never ceases to amaze me when I get a team to go overseas how much luggage people will, how much stuff people will stuff in their luggage. It's like we're moving the house, but they just pile it in. They, what if I have it? Well, Jesus said, don't take anything for your journey except a staff. That's going to help you walk. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals. But not an extra tunic. You see, most people who, who had money or, or means, they would wear two tunics. Jesus is saying, one will do. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet and leave. 
as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. That's what they did. They went out and conquered. They went out beyond themselves. These men were ordinary people that Jesus called to them. And Mark chapter 3 has some, some words I, w- I want to share with you. This is the same type of events that Jesus went up on a mountain. And he called to me him those he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, designated them as apostles, those who are set out, that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Jesus called 12 men into a relationship with him. We have lost sight of the fact that when we come to Jesus, we are called to him in a relationship. It's a living relationship. It's living. They were called into this. They weren't given a job. They weren't point, appointed and say, I, I just want to pick you guys out and go. No, they were appointed for a reason. I want you to come. I want you to walk with me. I want you to watch me. Because you see, this particular passage is a turning point in Jesus' ministry. Up until then, he did all the preaching. Up until then, he did all the healing. Up until then, he was the one and he alone who cast out demons. And he was the one that challenged unbelieving Israel through the Pharisees and Sadducees. You see, these disciples were in an internship with Jesus. And that internship went far beyond the times where Jesus would say to them, let's come aside and Jesus would take them to a desolate place trying to get to where no one was around them and he would speak into them he would expand he would explain the scriptures when you look in the gospels there were actually five internships for the disciples the first they were called into a relationship secondly they were permanently called into full-time ministry now we have muddied the water on that call we People have said, I'm a Christian, Pastor Cliff, Pastor Joe, Pastor Cord, they are called into full-time ministry. I looked that up, and the Greek have a word for that, garbage. It's absolutely incorrect. There's a difference in a call for pastors as we leave Many times, uh, the way that we earn our living, like most people work. But there is a call to everyone that calls, comes to Christ. You are in full-time ministry. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. Our call from God is that in our life, we are ministering. Every one of you, and I'll mention this again for emphasis... 
every one of you have a mission field that I can will be ineffective in. Every one of you have people you can reach. Every one of you have people who have watched your life. They have watched you go through issues and tragedies. They have seen how you have come through them. They will listen to you. To me, I'm just a a hired preacher. You see, we have forgotten the call to Christ is full time. And so many times, just like our proverbial Sunday go to meeting clothes, we take a bath Saturday night. We put on our Sunday go-to-meeting clothes and we do our religious duty only to hang it on a nail with our clothes come Sunday night. There is never a time, my friends, you are off the clock. There is never the time that Satan looks at his watch, says it's 5 o'clock, let's knock it off, boys. Sin continues 24 hours of the day. Our Lord God continues. There is never a time that he's not watching, not speaking, not working. And you and I, like the disciples, have been called to a full-time ministry. They were called to follow with him, and they were called to be sent. The call of Jesus Christ to salvation is not a call to come and sit and settle It's coming to Christ in order that he might send you out. You see, Jesus had a plan A, and you and I are it. And there is no plan B. That The disciples, when you read their story, they're modeling this. This is a short-term mission preaching tour that God is going to send them out. After his resurrection in Acts 1-8, we find out where God is sending these apostles to Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, the uttermost parts of the earth. He's going to tell them in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, what are you going to do on this preaching tour? Well, you're going to teach. You're going to make disciples. You're going to baptize. Friends, today... That call is for you and I. Do you realize that the disciples were faithful to their call? They began to make disciples. And were you realize it or not, somewhere down the line, a disciple of Christ discipled you. You had your eyes on someone who was a disciple. It's a continued turn down. You see, the Apostle Paul knew that it was important for experience. Today, we're facing this thing in today's world. Old people are not worth much. They're, you know, the government will decide whether or not you get a doctor's test and whether or not you need that medicine. Uh, we, we've just come to that point where, you know, they haven't got it where they can kill us off, but they're close. They're trying to. Another group is men. Men have been degraded for years and years and years. It started out with commercials. I I can remember watching these commercials, and when I'd get through, I'd think, boy, that husband looks like a dummy. And they begin to dumb it. In other words, daddy didn't know anything. Daddy would say something to children. They would roll their eyes. 
I rolled my eyes at my dad one time, and a week later when I woke up, I apologized and told him I'd never do that again. Then the wives begin to roll their eyes at their husband like children, our father is an idiot. And then they come out that we are to get in touch with our feminine side. They're trying to turn men into a bunch of milk toast, wimpy sissies. In fact, they're turning them in so sissy, you got thousands of women who's getting cut up, drugged up, and dressed up to try to be a man. And you see, God did not create that. He created men with a specific mission, with a specific call. And just like Jesus began to call men to minister to men, it's time men, we ministered. It's time we lead. It's time we come out of the closet. It's time, if you want to get in touch with your feminine self, put your arms around your wife. That's my feminine self, okay? But it's time that we stand up. And for this crowd, let me tell you, Paul wrote especially to you. I love the term. He didn't say old men. He said older men. Now, if you're 40, you're older than someone 30. See, I find comfort in that. (laughs) Older men, you are to model. You are to mentor young men. Because as we know at this age, no matter how smart you think you are when you're young, you're young and you're stupid. And you need people to help you. And so Jesus in his instructions through Paul says, Older men, listen, stop, look at this younger generation. We're in a time when there are more families without the influence of a man than ever before. And so these kids don't know how to grow up. I read a story, and at first when I read this story, I'm thinking, what has this got to do with it? But as usual, God's creation can tell us something. There was a place in Africa where the elephant population grew to such an extent there were too many. And so the government, being the government, they made a study of what they needed to do. And so they killed off all the male elephants and they moved the young elephants to another territory thinking these guys will behave. Well, as these young elephants grew up, They began to kill rhinoceros. They began to kill anything that got in their way, trampling it. And they didn't know what in the world was going on. And finally, one of them said, the problem is there is no male influence to show these young males exactly how they ought to be an elephant. And you know what? That's a lot of truth in that. Because when you read about how God created the elephant, they're, they're family people. They're led, they're modeled. And when they brought in a bunch of older elephants, immediately all the violence stopped. Men, we have a responsibility. You can sit here and say, well, all of my family are good. They're not shooting anybody. They're not being mean. That's real good. But you know what? Jesus answered the question on who our neighbor is. 
And our neighbor is anyone you come in contact with. And again, when you came to Christ, you didn't come here for you just to sit. Now, you know, there are people who go to college and they will stuff four years of college into nine years. They just like to stay there as long as they can. I remember in high school, I cried at graduation. I realized I had it made and I didn't want to graduate. But I found out I had to. We had to face life. We need to face the fact that this world is crumbling. And though one day Jesus is going to take us out of this world, we're going to leave behind millions of people who have not had the witness of Jesus Christ. The moral of this story, the calling of the disciples, is not just about 12 men. It's about God's plan down through time until he decides that it's over. We are called to full-time ministry. We are called to, to a specific mission field. We are called with a compassion. That's why Paul could say, bring up Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. When he began to talk to new converts, he said, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens. He was talking to the Gentile believers, talking about you're no longer foreign and aliens to the closeness of Christ. But fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. And what is that? It is built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. You could say with the Old Testament, the New Testament, and Jesus Christ being that cornerstone where it all fits together. You and I are called into a saving relationship. You and I are called to a specific mission field. A mission field that we will work in personally exactly where we are. And a mission field where we will either go to other countries or we will send money to other countries. But we are involved at all times in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. How many of you know about this book? Know about this book? This book said, we said yes. This uh, is written by a young man that y'all may know. Joe Putty. Okay. And it's a story of how one church carried the gospel to every nation on earth and how yours can too. I've shared this with pastors. And I've said to them, this is not a book on how to grow a mega church. The title is, We Said Yes. Now let me bring this down to what y'all want to hear. The close. We got a four-week break coming up, so people that work hard every week can have some time off. Okay? Just four weeks. We'll be back July the 18th. A very special service. You need to fill this place up. Praise team from Lithuania, sing in English, okay? Our missionary uh, from Lithuania, who Tomoka is in partnership with, he'll be here preaching. But for four weeks, 
you think you got off. I'm going to send you out on a short-term mission trip. And it's going to last four weeks. You see, I believe this service is a lot more than older people, older songs, and food. I can't settle for that. I don't even settle that it's an opportunity to me for me to preach. This is an evangelistic service that opens our doors to people who would not ordinarily go, maybe on the weekend. Some people don't like loud music, and so they stay home. Man, that's brilliant, isn't it? I can't figure that out, but that's, that's what happens. Some people don't like to go to a big church, and I understand that. We're a small portion of our church. We have everything to offer, but we don't have disciples that are going out into the highways and byways with the compassion to love on people. And when you begin to love on people, you realize that loneliness is one of the things that hit people this age. They don't have their friends around. Listen, I have preached funerals for people where nobody was there simply because the person outlived everybody he knows. James recorded that pure religion is to visit the orphans and the widows. What that simply means is you are reaching out to people who can't help themselves. They have no means of support. And one of the greatest needs is people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, every one of us, should God delay his coming, we're going to die. They're going to stick us in a box and put us six feet under. We're going to meet our master. And whether he says to us, well done, or where he says, depart from me. You and I understand we came to Christ in order to sit by his feet through the word of God. Then we are to go out. And it's an amazing thing. Every time I have asked God, open a door for me. And just a simple walk in my neighborhood. God opens a door. You see, the issue is, we as a group, we grin. I'm part of Tomoka. We said yes. That's not the question. That's not the issue. The issue, did you say yes? Sometimes it's time to stop hiding in a crowd. Sometimes it's time to stop taking credit. For the crowd. Instead of pushing the car, you're just leaning on it. It's time to get involved in the ball game. And the ball game is about life. The ball game is about life abundant. It's about the fact we were not called to be settled, sitters or settled. That old song, standing on the premises, promises while we're sitting on the premises. Absolutely does not work. 
I want to challenge you in this four weeks to reach people you haven't talked to. I want to challenge you to be that sunshine on dark days. I want to challenge you to get up every morning and say, Lord, where would you send me? What would you have me to do? And then go about your day anticipating. Because you see, look around. We've got plenty of room for anybody that wants to come to grow in the Lord, to be encouraged, to do what y'all have done at the Ronald McDonald House. You've come out. You're, you're there. You're ministering. You're bearing fruit for the Master. And you see, that's why we exist. So I want to challenge you. And I want to see fruit of that come when we come back and for the rest of the year. I want to see the baptismal waters stirred. I want to see people growing in the Lord and expanding the work that this body of Christ, with thousands of years of experience, people who know because they have gone through trials, tribulations, and problems, but the key word is through them, and you're alive and you're victorious over them. That's the call of Christ. Will you say let? Yes. I'm going to ask our men and our ladies if they'll come and be front. If you want to come to know more about Jesus Christ, about becoming a Christian, if you'll just come right over here. If you have a prayer need that you want somebody to pray for you or pray for your family, we have some folks over here. You see, the Word of God has been preached. You're accountable for what the Word has said. I'm accountable for what I've said. Will you respond? Will you say yes to Jesus? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Father, today, thank you for your Word. Thank you, Lord, that it transcends time. Thank you, Lord, that you're still calling. Call to you today, and I pray that we will see a response. In Jesus' name, amen.